Merry Christmas, everyone. What a joy it's been tonight. What a pleasure it is to see your faces as we celebrate the season of Christ's birth. Uh, and we can just rejoice and, and fellowship together with one another. So we've been talking about the, the characters of Christmas, uh, and we've been looking at a couple individuals so far. And, you know, all of these individuals had a chance to, to witness and experience the miracle of this birth. And, and for these individuals, really, they were, they were nothing in history. They, they had nothing special about them, but yet they became a very meaningful part of the Christmas story. It's a story that contains great anticipation, and there's an explosion of joy that happens as a result of this birth. And this, is a, this birth has radically changed the lives of the characters in this story, and the reality is it's also radically changed the lives of both you and me. And so at the end of the Old Testament, we have silence. For 400 years, we hear nothing. There's no prophet. There's no message from God. Just a quiet waiting for God to speak, for God to move, for God to, to do what we've all been waiting for him to do. And then the silence breaks in the temple of the Lord. And as Zechariah, who is one of the priests on duty, is burning incense to the Lord, he hears a voice. He hears the calling of an angel. And the angel appears to him and it says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. Now this news is, is shocking, but it is greatly welcomed by Zechariah and his wife. See, they're, they're both old in age, and uh, Elizabeth has been barren. And the idea that she would conceive and give birth to a child has really kind of gone out the window for them. And now she'd have to kind of live with the stigma of being barren in her womb. And this barrenness was, was difficult for women because oftentimes that idea of, of not being able to give birth to a child was often thought as a result of sin. And so Luke is very quick to tell us in verse 6 of their righteousness and their faithfulness to obedience to dispel any idea that what has happened was a result of sin, but yet this is the burden that they had to carry. And so this, this news was tremendous joy for them, that they would have an opportunity to give birth to a child. And that joy would be realized in John as he would be the one to prepare the way for the coming of the king. And as Elizabeth in her womb is carrying John, she encounters Mary, who would be with child of her own, and John would leap in the womb, and she would leap 
for joy. And of course, there was Mary. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, who was simply a poor girl from Nazareth. It was a small back country. There was really nothing special about it. It was a very tiny population, kind of a, surrounded by much bigger towns. And it, it probably wasn't even on the trade route. Uh, as it sat in the middle of dry land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. And as a result of a lot more of the urbanized cities that were around them, and certainly the spiritual capital of Jerusalem, it's not surprising that we hear Nathan ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But see, for as insignificant as this place was and as insignificant as Mary was, there is nothing special about her. There is no claim to fame. She's approached by the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel tells her greetings. He says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she had found favor with God to conceive and give birth to a son, the son Jesus. And this boy would be the son of the Most High God, and he'd be giving the everlasting throne of David. And just as Elizabeth would experience that joy within her womb, Mary would experience the same thing, as that child would also move within her. And Mary sings a song that recognizes her humble state. She understands the blessing that she's been given, and, and it starts off with, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she sings about the Mighty One in His holy name. She sings about the extension of God's mercy to her and to the world. She sings about the mighty power of his arm and how he feeds the good in us. And she remembers the promises that he made to Abraham. So when Christ was born in that town of David, she wraps him in the swaddling clothes and she places him in a manger. Very reflective of the humble condition of how she lived and who she was. But there was joy because she has just given birth to royalty. She's just given birth to the King of King and Lord of Lords. Now, now, when a king is born, we can imagine that any announcement would have to be made in the most appropriate way. And this birth was like no other, where it would be announced from the heavens by the messengers of God, by the angels. And the angels, we are told in Job 38, were there at the beginning of creation. And they had a, a, a certain privilege. They would get to see the unfolding of God's story. They would get to see the unfolding of God's love for His creation. A creation of mankind that would turn its back on him again and again and again in disobedience. 
and fall into idolatry and, and worship other things besides God. But yet, at every step of the way, God was faithful to that promise. And any attempt to thwart his plan, God's mighty power would step in. And the angels would continue to see this at every stage of humanity. And then, in that moment... This is the time that the angels had been waiting for. We're told in Galatians 4, it says, When the time had fully come, God had sent his Son. And so now the angels were given the most precious and glorious message that they could ever proclaim in all of history. And so from the glories of the heavens, they proclaim, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And so this announcement was followed by a great company of heavenly hosts, praising this birth and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And for as magnificent as this moment was, as the, the stars lit up in the heavens, as the angels sang, wasn't it ironic to who they proclaimed this message to? You know, we would think that most likely an announcement like this certainly should go out to the government officials or, or definitely the religious leaders it certainly should have gone out to the rich and powerful. Those were the important people in society. And it wasn't proclaimed over the loudspeakers over the town of Bethlehem. No, this, this was a message that was given to a set of shepherds out in the lowly and lonely country hills of Bethlehem. You would think that it would go to somebody more important, someone more deserving of such an announcement, right? I mean, we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we're just going to hand it off to these shepherds, the, these unclean shepherds by the nature of their jobs who dealt with, with these dirty, smelly animals would have been forbidden to enter into the temple of the Lord because they were unclean. But yet these are the ones who are given this message. And so they take this announcement and they, they hurry off and they go and see their Christ lying in a manger. And so they go out and they tell everyone, proclaiming and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and that they had seen. That our Savior has been born in the town of David. And then sometime later, this message would make its way to Simeon and Anna. Now we're told that Simeon was a righteous man and he was promised that before he passed, he would get to see the Lord's Messiah. So you could imagine what that was like for Simeon. 
He hears this, this news that, that before he dies, he's going to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so there he waits and he waits. And every time a child passes, he wonders, is that the Messiah? Is that the one that the Lord promised I would get to see? And then the Lord whispers, he's here. And the Spirit leads him off into the temple. And there come Mary and Joseph holding the child Jesus in their arms. And Simeon takes him. And he's able to say, you may now dismiss your servant in peace as my eyes have seen your salvation. And there's also Anna. Anna was an old woman, widowed many, many, many years. But she remained faithful to God. And, and we're told of Anna, of her faithful devotion that she continued to worship night and day, fasting and praying in the temple. And there in that moment, Anna would get to see redemption. And so as we are talking about these characters, we're talking about what this birth means. <clears throat> and so for Zachariah and Elizabeth, old and barren without child. God covered over that shame. God covered over that feeling of brokenness in their life. God took a womb that was dead and gave it life. Just as Christ gives us new life and new creation. <clears throat> and for Mary, she found favor from God. An undeserved grace, an unmerited favor, nothing special about Mary. Because, see, none of us deserve God's favor. None of us deserve the righteousness that comes through Christ. For we are all sinners, we are all disobedient to the Heavenly Father. But yet, not because of anything that you and I have done. He offers us this gift. He offers us the precious joy of Jesus. And that's what Mary understood. And for the angels, who again watched from the beginning of creation to this very moment, again, the unfolding of his story, his constant love and faithful devotion to his promise and to his people, the angels continue to sit in heaven, as Revelation 4 tells us. Night and day, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. And so they stand ready, those angels. They stand ready into the heavens, waiting for God to return waiting to be able to proclaim that God is coming back in his judgment and who will set this world right one day. And for those shepherds, well, their uncleanliness has been made clean. 
Their filth was washed away at the cross as his blood was shed for you and I. And as they were considered outcasts of society, as as they were often shunned to the side, just looking to be part of society, they found something even better. They found a family in Jesus Christ. And for Simeon and Anna, they died peacefully knowing that their faithfulness had been rewarded. Their devotion to God had been seen. That they could look upon their Savior face to face and realize that salvation is here. Not just for you and I, but for all nations. For the entire world, salvation has been brought to us through this child. And so for each of us, these character stories is really a culmination of everything for you and I. Because our story is no different, right? You and I are broken individuals. You and I are lowly and, and poor. We are undeserved of anything. We are unclean individuals, cast aside by the world, just looking and longing to be a part of something. And so what do we find? We find healing. We find new life. We find that our sins are washed clean. We find that we have been been given favor by God when it's not merited at all. And we find salvation in Jesus Christ. And so when we proclaim today that again this child has been born to us and we rejoice over this, this is why it's good news Because every one of these individuals of the Christmas story were nothing and nobody, but yet God made them something special with his love in the cross. And that's what he does for you and me. Each one of us has a set of circumstances. Each one of us has a need that calls out to our Savior God in Jesus Christ. And each one of us has our own story of redemption that's been given to us by this little birth, by this child that was born in a stable 2,000 years ago. And so that is why we rejoice. And that is why we celebrate the coming of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Great Heavenly Father, oh, how we love you. God, what we read is our story. Father, each one of us can relate in some capacity to one of these individuals of Scripture. Each one of us, God, can rejoice because we've been given a gift like no other. And so we we celebrate this birth. We celebrate the coming of 
of your son. Because it was the fulfillment of a promise. It was the fulfillment, God, that said you would rather die than see us lost forever. So as we celebrate these, this holiday season, as we celebrate your birth, we give you praise and we give you thanks. Because God, we can be full of joy and happiness for what we have been given in you forever forever and now and always. Amen.